Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 139. I wish I had time to read the whole psalm, because it's a wonderful psalm. But I'm just going to read the first six verses today, and then uh, two verses in Hebrews. Let's hear the word of God. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And then from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. May God bless this reading of his word. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you would help us as we consider your word this morning. As we consider its teaching that you are a God who knows everything. And we apply that in our own lives. We pray that you would draw us near to you. We pray that you would help us to take these passages of Scripture to heart and that they would be a blessing to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'd like for us to think about the fact that God knows everything. He is a God who knows everything, or as the theologians say, he is omniscient. Can you imagine how different your life would be if at key moments of your life you knew everything you might possibly need to know? Even if you didn't have God's power to change everything, If you just knew everything that was going to happen, how much power you would have. Let me give you a few examples. Let's say you're a football coach, and it's fourth and one, and your team is behind, and you really need to get that first down. What if you knew whether you would get it if you went for it on fourth down? Or if you send in the kicker to try to kick that 50-yard field goal to win the game, what if you knew 
He'll make it. He'll make the kick. When you're about to get on an airplane, especially if it's snowy and the weather's been like it's been lately, and, you know, I never like it when I see them de-icing the wings. You know, they de-ice those wings, and then you go and you sit in line out there on the runway, and you think, I hope it hasn't iced up again. Wouldn't you like to know for sure that that plane is going to actually land safely at your destination? Or wouldn't you like to just know that your bags are going to get sent to the same airport that you're going to? Think about in business. Think about how much better off you would be today if you had known in the fall of 2007 that the stock market had peaked and that it was about to drop and eventually to drop precipitously and the economy would sink into a deep recession. If you had just known. You could have shifted some funds around, like probably some of the big people did on Wall Street, and uh, you'd be all right. Or if you had known back in the, in the mid-90s when Apple Computer, it seemed like it was over for Apple, if you had known they were about to come out with the iPod, and it would change forever the way uh, we get music. And you could have just invested all of your life savings in Apple. I mean, there's a lot of power in knowledge. You know, if you'd known about Google or Facebook and gotten in on the ground floor, wow. Some of you are wrestling with health issues or have wrestled with health issues. And wouldn't it be something if you knew at the earliest possible moment if you had cancer or some other life-threatening disease? Or what if you knew of some new miracle drug or treatment that would be successful? And think about relationships. You know, if you're single, uh, what if you could know for sure that 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 young man or that young woman was the right one for you and that you would live happily ever after if you get together. And, 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 and not even that. Uh, let's just say you're a young man and uh, you want to ask a girl out. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you kind of like to know that she would say yes and you wouldn't, you know, crash and burn? Or girls... Uh, you might want to know, uh, even if it wasn't what you wanted to hear, if to just know if he's really not that into you so that you could just move on. Oh, 9-11-2001, what if you had known what 19 men with box cutters were planning to do? Or what would it be worth to know when the big one is going to hit out in California? Or what if you could catch one of these criminals who abducts young women or children before they could do any harm. And wouldn't you like to know if Lee Harvey Oswald really acted alone or if there was another gunman perhaps hiding behind that grassy knoll? Wouldn't you like to know where Osama bin Laden is? 
And whatever happened to D.B. Cooper? Those of you who are a little younger than me don't know D.B. Cooper, but he was the only man who ever hijacked an airplane and was never apprehended, probably because he died when he parachuted out the back of the airplane, but we don't know for sure. God knows. And there's knowledge and power. And if you're omniscient and all-knowing, if, if you were all-knowing, you could quickly get all the money you could ever possibly spend. And you would become a very powerful person. And so it's significant that one of the attributes of the God that we worship, the God of the Bible, is that he is a God who knows. And what does he know? He knows everything. Everything about everything. Now, there are three points that I want to make this morning, three observations about God's omniscience. And the first is, the fact that God knows everything should fill us with awe and wonder. It should give us a sense of awe and wonder to realize that God knows everything. In uh, Job thirty-seven sixteen, we read, Do you know the hovering of the clouds, the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? God's knowledge is perfect. It's complete. It's completely accurate. It's perfect. He's perfect in knowledge. Psalm 147, 4 and 5 says, He determines the number of stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. You know, we we live in the computer generation. And I remember the, uh, the first computer I had. And it, it had... Uh, It, it it was a it was a it was a Mac Plus, and I think it had um, it either had 512k of memory or maybe it had one megabyte of memory. <laughs> you know, and 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 the, and and the first hard drive that I got for that computer I think had 80 megabytes, and I thought that was just amazing. You know, now. Now computers come with one and two terabyte hard drives. But that's nothing, nothing compared to the amount of knowledge that God has stored uh, in, in, in his memory, in his mind. His understanding is beyond measure. He didn't have to learn it a little bit at a time the way we learn it. The way we learn things, he knew everything completely from the beginning because he created it all. And he also knows everything that's going to happen in the future. Now, I have to admit, I'm kind of a geek. And uh, I, I like science fiction and I like to watch documentaries on the Discovery Channel. 
And I'm fascinated by a lot of things that I barely, no, I don't understand. Things like Einstein's theory of relativity and string theory and dark matter and DNA. I find all that fascinating. I just, it, it amazes me how complex and how intricately designed the world is. And so I don't want to claim that I even understand a percent of, of these things, but they tell me that the world is far more amazing, far more wonderful than I would have ever imagined. And God understands all these things. God understands them completely and perfectly. And he does understand the future. In Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, we read, For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. He knows the future. Just think about it. If you knew the future, if you knew who was going to win the Super Bowl next week, you'd be in pretty good shape. God knows the future because he planned it. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance having, inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He doesn't just foresee into the future. He knows the future because he planned the future. And life on this earth and history on this earth has a purpose, there's a plan, and it's working towards a fulfillment. And so faced with all of these, these, these verses, all of this understanding about God's knowledge and, and its vastness, King David in the Old Testament and the Apostle Paul in the New Testament are overcome with awe so that David says such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. That's the knowledge of the God that we serve. Paul writes in Romans eleven thirty three, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. That's the God that we worship. He is a God who knows. Now, the second thing that God's omniscience should make us realize, the fact that God knows everything will tend to make us pretty uncomfortable. It can make you very uncomfortable. It can be very intimidating to, to think that God knows everything about me. Not just about the world, not, not just, just about the universe. He knows everything about me. So, in the book of Job, we read, For his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. 
God's eyes are on you. His eyes are on me. He sees everything that you do and everything that you say. In Proverbs 5.21, we read, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. And in Psalm 98, we read, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Now, I imagine that probably everyone here today has done at least a few things that you're not very proud of and that you hope that uh, not many people or perhaps no one else will ever find out about. And people go to great lengths to hide and to, to cover up and to deny things that they have done. But if even if you're successful in this and no one else knows your secrets, no one else knows your secret sins. God knows. God knows. At no time is, is, is he misled. At no time is, is he fooled. He knows. He knows everything about you and everything about me. And I should add that, uh, you know, the people around you know more than you think. For instance, uh, I, I don't know exactly what Charlie Sheen is doing behind closed doors, but, but I, I got a pretty good idea because he is self-destructing in, in front of us. And, and, and so a lot of times when you think you've hidden your sin and you think no one knows, people... They don't know exactly, but they know something's not right because this person is self-destructing in front of us. They're becoming a different person. Something's not right. So you can hide a few things here and there, but if you make a practice of sin, be sure your sins will find you out. Not only does God know everything that you've ever done, but he also knows everything that you've ever thought. So if you think, well, I haven't done anything that would be all that embarrassing to me if I picked up the newspaper and read about it. But you see, God knows not only your actions, God knows all of your thoughts. He knows all of the things that you have thought about doing, fantasized about doing. Maybe you never had the opportunity to do it. Maybe you never had the courage to do it. Uh, maybe uh, for whatever reason, you never acted out on those thoughts. But God knows your thoughts. And so in Isaiah 66, 18, we read, For I know their works and their thoughts. And in 1 Chronicles 28, 9, every plan and thought. And uh, this is 
This is also the text that we looked at this morning in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows us. He knows what we do. He knows what we think. He knows our hearts. And so in Psalm 44, verses 20 and 21, we read, If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. God knows the secrets of your heart. Maybe maybe even... If you're married, maybe even your spouse doesn't know the secrets of your heart. Maybe your brothers and your sisters don't know the secrets of your heart. But God knows. God knows. And so Jesus said, and it's recorded in Luke 16, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. You know, we justify ourselves, and we all do it. We have all these justifications and rationalizations. But God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts. And all of us will have to give an account to him. And, and, and the Bible says that, that uh, apart from Christ, we'll, we'll have nothing to say in our defense will be silent before him. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, which we read earlier, we read that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the, to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God knows. God knows your thoughts. God knows your heart. And so James Montgomery Boyce, and I have to say, I got a lot out of an article in his uh, Foundations of Christian Theology uh, as I studied this message, James Montgomery Boyce writes, A God who thoroughly knows us is unsettling. And Arthur Pink says that the thought of divine omniscience fills us with uneasiness. It's unsettling. It's uncomfortable. It makes us feel uneasy. It's intimidating because God knows everything about us. I have a fascination with body language. I, I, I really ought to read some of these books on it, but I love to watch uh, commentators that will talk about body language and, 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 and they'll deconstruct people's uh, facial expressions and their gestures. And, and they can tell you that no matter what they're saying, they might say, oh, you know, the words don't match. Uh, the, the emotion here. 
Uh, this person's hiding something. This person's probably lying. This person's covering up something. That's an uncomfortable laugh. They're not really laughing. They're uncomfortable. And, you know, uh, somebody who really understands body language can tell whether you're telling the truth or not most of the time. And uh, good poker players learn to read the body language of, of uh, other people. They look for, the, for what they call the tell. Some, some facial expression, some, some gesture, some, some body posture that says, this person's, there's something there that they're not, that they're not telling me. And so, if you ever see these poker players on TV, you know, some of them will put on dark glasses and they'll wear hats or they'll, they'll wear a hoodie and you can barely even see their face because they don't want anybody to, to see their face and, 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 and know, you know, what they're thinking as they, as they play their hand. But you see, God's not fooled by all of our efforts to hide our thoughts, all of our efforts to hide our emotions and our feelings. He knows everything that we're thinking. He knows everything that we're planning, including all the things that we would do if we had the opportunity and if we thought we would never get caught or have to pay, face any consequences. And so the fact that God knows everything is, is, is intimidating. It's intimidating, and it's, it makes us uncomfortable. This, this sense of being naked before God, which Hebrews talks about, is, is what overwhelmed Adam and Eve after they had sinned against God and disobeyed and eaten of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. Now, the Bible tells us that before they sinned, the man and, and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And you know, if you're newly married and you're uh, living in a tropical paradise together in your birthday suits and there's absolutely no one else on the planet, uh, that's not nudism and it's not skinny dipping. That's, that's a honeymoon. And... Uh, and this was the life that Adam and Eve lived before, before the fall. But as soon as they disobeyed God, they realized for the first time that they were naked. And Boyce writes, after they became sinners, their nakedness became something more than merely physical. It had become a psychological nakedness connected to their moral guilt. They were guilty before one another and before God. And so the Bible says that they sewed thick fig leaves together and, and made themselves loincloths and hid themselves instinctively from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They just instinctively knew, I'm exposed. He knows everything about me. He knows my sin. And so they tried to hide themselves. And what I want to say this morning is it's no different today. People still try all sorts of ways to hide themselves from God. We, we, we look for all kinds of things that are fig leaves and trees to hide behind. 
We, we hide by not reading the Word of God, by not going to church where we'll hear the Word preached, by, by not being honest and open with our family members or our friends when they ask us, how are things going? By not having anyone in this world that we share our struggles with and that we would hold that we would allow ourselves to be accountable to. We, we hide from God by just staying so busy that we, we don't ever really have to do that moral inventory of ourselves. And, uh, and uh, ask ourselves, are we the people that we want to be? And listen to the Holy Spirit and his still small voice speak to us. We're naked before a holy and all-knowing God. And, and we're still trying, find, trying to find ways to hide ourselves from him. But after God had exposed Adam and Eve's sin and disobedience in the garden, he did an amazing thing. Yes, he cast them out of the garden. But in Genesis 2.21, we read that the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. Now, most theologians understand this as the first animal sacrifice. God sacrificed animals in order to make garments to clothe Adam and Eve. He didn't leave them in their nakedness. But he clothed them. He provided clothes for them through the sacrifice of some of the animals that he had created. And Boyce writes, this is the message of Christianity. That we can be known and yet clothed at the same time. Yet being clothed is not accomplished ultimately with the skins of animals. The clothing of Adam and Eve was only a symbol, an acted parable of what was to come for all when God sent Jesus Christ to die for our sin so that guilt might be removed. On the basis of his perfect and atoning sacrifice, God would then clothe all who believe in Christ with the Lord's own righteousness. Because of Christ's work, God no longer looks on us as sinners, but as those who have become righteous in Christ. And now we can stand before him rather than hide, not because God has been ignorant of our sin or has refused to care about it, but because he has known about it and has dealt with it perfectly. Now we can cry with Isaiah, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And those who trust in Christ for forgiveness, those who trust in Christ for salvation, are clothed, are clothed, not with fig leaves, but with the righteousness of Christ. And so finally this morning, I want us to note that because God knows everything, this should ultimately be a great encouragement to those who believe, a great encouragement. 
Because he is all-knowing, God knows every one of his children by name. And so Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He knows you. He knows you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Because he is all-knowing, God knows that we are robed in the righteousness of Christ, even if at times you forget it. Even if at times you wonder, can God really forgive me? Can God really love me because of who I am and because of what I've done? So in 1 John we read, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Because he is all-knowing, God has compassion on his children. When we stumble and fall, he remembers that he formed us from the dust. And so, in Psalm 103, we read, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Because he is all-knowing, God always knows all of our needs. And so Jesus says, The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Because he is all-knowing, God knows everything that's going to happen on every day of your life. He will never be caught off guard. He will never be blindsided, and you will never be alone. And so, David writes, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. God knows. God knows everything that's going to happen to you. And he'll be there with you in the storms of life. You will not be alone. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him. You see, it's a good thing that God knows everything. Because you and I as believers will never have to say, Does God know what's happening? Does God see what's happening to me? Does God know of my need? Yes, He does. Because He is a God who knows everything. And because He is all-knowing, we know that God will hear our prayers. In Isaiah 65, verse 24, we read, Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Before you can say the words... God knows the desire of your heart. He knows 
the burden of your heart and you can cast it before him because he is the all-knowing, omniscient God. The Bible teaches us that God is omniscient. This is an amazing and awe-inspiring concept. And because we are sinners, it's also pretty intimidating at times because God knows everything about us, all of our secrets, everything we've ever done, everything we've ever thought, everything we've ever said. But because He's a merciful God, He sacrificed His own Son so that we don't have to remain naked and ashamed before Him, hiding from His presence. But we may be clothed with the shining white righteousness of Christ. And so for the believer, the fact that God knows everything about us is no longer a cause to fear, but a reason for great hope and encouragement. He understands our weaknesses. He knows our needs. He hears our prayers. He knows every one of His sheep by name. And He gives us eternal life. He will be our faithful shepherd throughout this life and will lead us home to be in His presence forever. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank You that You are the God who knows. And we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, who was the sacrifice for our sins. Because apart from being clothed in the righteousness of Christ, the, the, the truth of Your omniscience would be more than we could bear. But because Christ died, because our sins can be forgiven in Him, for those who believe, we're clothed in His righteousness and we rest and we rejoice in the fact that You know us and everything about us and all of our needs and all of our hopes and all of our fears and all of our prayers. Father, give us encouragement and joy today because You are God who knows. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.